The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We have a special guest here today. She is from the Critter Calvary Rescue, and her name is Darian. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. All right. And if you are not familiar with Critter Calvary, I want you guys to check them out. There is a URL in the podcast description. Uh, there's a great Instagram page and uh, we'll learn more from Darian. But thanks so much for being here today. Uh, she actually has rescued and volunteers with this organization. So we're super excited to have her here with us today. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm so glad for you guys to have me. Thank you again. Thanks for coming on, Darian. And you're pretty local, right? Yeah, I'm right in Salem. Oh, my gosh. Well, if we didn't have COVID, we'd be all here. But yeah, someday someday we'll be back together. Maybe we can have you back when we can be in person. We'll bring the dogs and line <laughs> them up. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, this organization and your involvement with it. And even behind you, you have a few dogs that you've met and gotten in your home through this organization. Yes. Yeah, so I actually learned about the organization back in March of 2020 when I bought my first house and adopted my first dog. So big year. Glory <laughs> is actually mine. And she's very, very special. I've owned a lot of pets growing up, but nothing like her. She's like my heart dog. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. Yeah. We shove that down everybody's throats every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's absolutely amazing. So I fell in love with her. I fell in love with everybody, the foster mom, the owner of the organization. So when I got her home, I started thinking of ways that I could help them from all the way in New Hampshire. Cause this organization is based out of Tennessee. Okay. Um, so I kind of grew a little bit of a bond with Glory's foster mom, as well as the owner of the organization, Candace, and they're always looking for help. So I started fostering with them and this is my foster dog. I don't know if you can see her. Yeah. Her name is Ari. They she seem like they're getting adopted. along. Oh, no. nice. She is getting adopted. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, I have to drop her off this weekend. It's super bittersweet. Yeah. Um, I think really you, happy for her, but I'm going to miss her. If she was available, I don't think she would be after this podcast because she looks <laughs> I know. so nice back there. Yeah. Yeah. And the dogs obviously are getting along great. So Critter Calvary does things a little bit differently in regards to like where they house the dogs and their situation, right? As far as using fosters and stuff. Yes. So we actually don't have any shelters whatsoever. Okay. So we really rely on foster families. Um, which is actually a good thing because people get to know the animals' personalities far better than just knowing about them in a shelter um, since they're living under your roof. Yeah, completely. So when you go through the adoption process, you have to fill out an application. You have to have your references screened. We speak with you. And then you also have to speak with the foster family. The foster family is kind of like the deciding factor mm -hmm. um, for both the adopter and our organization, because you get to really know how the animal's personality is. You get like videos that you wouldn't get just from on the site. Um, and it's for us too. So the foster mom knows the animal best. You mean you get the so, real videos from the foster mom? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then how many um, fosters so are yeah. there roughly? I'm sorry, what was that? How many fosters are there roughly that work within the organization? So we have about 250. That's awesome. But cool. a lot of the times it's a one and done just because this is very 
being a foster is tough, right? You grow yeah. attached to the animal and then it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. So I totally understand why a lot of people would want to break after an experience like that, but we have 250 and we need more. There's yeah. just so many animals down south <clears throat> that need homes and they need places to grow while they wait for their homes. And is sure. this your first time fostering? It is. It definitely won't be my last. <laughs> well, you didn't have a foster failure. So that's another term that I like to use <laughs> yeah. frequently and that you fall in love with the foster. You know, like you said, it's, it's heartbreaking. No matter if they're there a short time or a longer time, not, sometimes it's too hard to give them up. Not necessarily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it just depends on we the have, dog. We have a, a good friend that uh, was a foster for quite a while and she had a pit bull that tore her back, wouldn't stay in a crate, tore the bathroom door off of her bathroom. <laughs> I mean, it wow. was horrendous. Just ate it, ate the door off. Just, you know, it was a, a hollow door. So it peeled off the layer on the inside and it was just working its way through, you know, just because of the anxiety. It just could not be contained in any way. And um, that wasn't yeah. her last episode fostering, but I think she had a hard time getting that dog back to the organization. That was her big problem is that she was very willing and she had taken multiple dogs. But then when she had this one, she could not contain and she had to get it back. She had some trouble there. It can, it can get tricky. And then be. where are you guys, the dogs are coming from the South and how are you selecting? Like, is there a process at all with how that works with the organization? Um, as in regards to adopting or fostering or both? Uh, like fostering, like how do you pick and choose? So whoever's down there, they're like, oh my gosh, we have a whole slew of dogs here in front of us. We have a lot of options. How do you pick? Like wh which ones, you know what I mean? Obviously you don't just clear shelter by shelter. There's not enough facilities right. for that. If we could do that, everything would be better for the dog world. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. So in my experience, I'm obsessed with Australian cattle dogs. Okay. Um, I'm kind of known within my friend group as the cattle dog collector. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, since I had adopted that breed from that organization, they were kind of like, how's it going? I mean, this is a very energetic breed. Do you like it? Or would you be able to foster some of the same breed? So they kind of see what you, a lot of the times fosters, in this organization have already adopted. That's kind of how they know about the organization. They want to help out more. Mm -hmm. um, if you're coming in, like not has, have not adopted, we have a whole application for you to fill out. We still have to contact your references just to get an idea of what kind of person you are. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And it does ask some questions of what breeds are, you know, you would love what breeds might be off limits to you. If you're comfortable administering medication, your kind of comfortability of what you would need or what you would be able to do as a foster. So those dogs technically aren't leaving until there's a foster lined up. Is that how it works? Like they're in, they're in a shelter until they're pulled and there's a foster lined up for them. Is that the process kind of? Yes. Or okay. we know of somebody who's looking to rehome their pet. So okay. they're staying with their owner or whoever is watching over them right Got now. It. So they never even um, really made it to the shelter situation. It's kind of like an in-between. Got right. it. Nice. Yeah. That works out nice. And I like the personalization of it. And I appreciate Darian actually reached out to us. Um, originally she knows that we podcast here and looked at our podcast and listened to our rescue podcast. And you flat out wrote me and said like, Hey, like it can go well, even over the internet and everything else. And we do want to bring that to light because we're not anti-rescue. We're not anti-adopting dogs, but you want to make sure that the process you're going through is going to set you guys up for success and that there's authenticity and everything else there. So I do like the different layers of, you know, you have 
personal connections with the foster homes because that's important. The dogs are going to be different in a shelter environment, obviously, than they're going to be in a home environment. And my God, the way you're to look behind you, I feel like you should come and yeah. be a train. You could come train our dogs. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Darian, both dogs are heavily medicated at this point. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> um, they're a little overtreated, I will say. <laughs> um, uh, I've been I, working on some new tricks with Glory, and my foster dog is starting to learn simple things like sit and paw. So she gets a lot of extra treats just for participating. <laughs> I do have a question about evaluations. Do you know if this organization does some type of structured evaluation on every dog that comes up or how does that work? Is it, are you focusing more on getting these dogs into forever homes? But the problem we've had with us, we're always seeing that the bad, the hard side A rescue mm -hmm. comes in. It's, it can't be left alone. It's showing aggression towards kids, all kinds of different things. And so that's why I get a little bit of a negative thought about rescues, because I only see, typically the people that call me, it's not just, hey, teach my dog not to pull on a leash. There's a lot of stuff going on there, you know? Oh, absolutely. And sure yeah. There's, there's and places like that, that makes yeah. our organization really sad because yeah. we're truly in for the animals. Um, Candace down in Tennessee has a couple of vets that she works with. So the animals are fully vetted before they're even placed in foster families. That's nice. Um, the, yeah, the vets do an evaluation. I was actually supposed to foster uh, another cattle dog earlier this year, but the vet said that transport for him would just be way too stressful, so yeah. I wasn't able to get him. But that's great because it's better than just shoving him on the transport sure. truck and hoping for the best. Do you check for heart guard at, during that uh, eval or checkup with the vet? Yes, I'm actually I'm supposed Heart to be warm, fostering I'm... another set of cow dog puppies that have parvo right now. So they Ooh, tested positive for parvo. Now, will you get reimbursed um, for any type of medical on your end for taking care of those puppies? I'm sorry, what was that? Would you get reimbursed for any medical needs those puppies may have when they come into your care? Yes, especially because I'm in New Hampshire. So my, the organization owner, Candace, would want to talk to the vet that I would bring Glory to. Right. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of give a little bit of... Background and everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just kind of get to know my vet. Sure. And then I'll have to give them a report if I would have to go to the vet with my foster dog. That hasn't happened yet, right? but it is an option. Well, I'm only thinking of, and not of certainly not necessarily with your organization because I'm not real familiar with it, but it's not unusual for us to get people that get a rescue that is heartworm positive. And they had to go yeah. through that whole process. Yeah, but that's going to be taken care of with the vetting well, beforehand. Right. Yeah, that's really nice. That's a nice. Yeah, uh, you just you don't want to yeah. you don't want to hiccup like that because obviously you know <clears throat> similar to Parvo, it's a long process. It can be uh, expensive and a long process to get through for sure. All right, we are going to yeah. go to break super quick, and when we get back, we are going to talk more with Darian about her fostering and rescuing experience with Critter Calvary. What makes Coranda beds chew proof? Only Coranda beds have a patented design which secures the fabric inside the frame, making it totally inaccessible to jaws and paws. Your dog can't chew the fabric because we've hidden the edges inside the rails. Dogs love Coranda beds. See why? Coranda beds come in a variety of custom sizes. You can even add a fleece pad on top for extra coziness. And these beds can be used both indoors and outdoors. But best of all, our beds are easy to clean. Just wipe them off or hose them down. Visit dogbed.us slash thequirkydog for more details. 
All right, we are back. We had a little music too. That's exciting. I like that. A little extra music. So is the foster uh, close, the foster family close for your foster dog? I know that you found a match, which is super exciting. I have a lot of clients and friends who foster and everything regularly. And when that match happens and when it seems like it's going to be a good fit, I feel like there's no better feeling for those people. So I'm excited for you to go through that. But how close is the new family? So unfortunately they're in Maryland, which isn't super, super close. I did have quite a few inquiries on her, but these were these were people who have had cow dog experience. So they're very familiar with the breed. Yep. And honestly, it's just a feeling you get when you talk to somebody of, okay, this is definitely right for a dog that I care so much about. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she will be taking the transport down this weekend to her uh, forever home. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Well, and I honestly, in a way, it's almost nice that she's in Maryland because you guys can keep up through pictures and everything. But sometimes when the fosters are close, it can get a little confusing. And especially if you're a newer foster, people think, oh, like we can visit and we can do this. And it's not that you can, it's not that there's a hard rule on that, but it can be a harder transition sometimes for people, especially the worst is if you adopt to the new family and then you go back as the foster and the dog looks like, oh my God, my foster mom's here. And the new family is like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I, we're doing our best, but they definitely like you more. So I think that'll be a good process. Process. So she'll be driven down to Maryland and then mm-hmm. you'll be able to keep in touch just as you guys have through this whole process if need be, right? Yes. I was very clear that it needs to be an open adoption because I love her. <laughs> Are you going to cry? I probably will be a mess on Sunday. <laughs> it's, so just think of me on it's Sunday. It's not easy. It's not easy for sure. That's why I'm asking all these things. Okay. And then for you, you talked about Glory. This was your first dog, like as an adult, like you got a home, you got a dog. I think you got engaged uh, at the end of 2022. Yeah. yeah congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> so you. you got a lot going on in 2021. Um, it's going to be a whole new scene there. So explain like how it is for you owning your first dog as an adult and choosing a rescue dog. And now you're fostering dog. Just kind of walk everyone through that process. Cause I think a lot of people around this age are kind of like, should I get a dog? Like, what should I do? Is it going to hold me back? You know what I mean? So just to impart that wisdom on everybody, because getting a rescue dog is sometimes different than getting a puppy. You never had to go through getting up at 6am and 2am and all that. If the puppy had to go out, you know, so just tell people a little bit about that process if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So when Brandon and I closed on our first home, it was really important to us that we had an animal. We both had animals growing up. Um, We believe that animals make a home a home. So we didn't necessarily want a little itty bitty puppy as being first time homeowners and first time, you know, pet owners on our own without our support of our parents. So we were just kind of looking around. We've always really loved the cattle dog breed. Um, we saw her picture and her name was Glory when I adopted her. And that was my grandmother's name. So I kind of got like a little bit of her, their name was Gloria. So I got a little bit of like, oh, that's really cute. There's probably 5 million applications in on her, but I'll apply anyway. And I just really felt a connection with the organization and you learn so much about where the dogs were before you. And unfortunately, Glory and six of her siblings were just dumped at a high kill shelter um, a family thought that they could take in and have all of them at once. And then they realized, well, cattle dogs are really energetic. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite an undertaking. Six puppies. Yeah, we'll take them yeah. So what is the application? Yeah, exactly. So what is the application process like? I know that, um, a lot of people that work with Critter Calvary first rescue, and then they're fostering and helping in different ways with volunteering. But if you want to just get a dog for yourself and you're not looking to delve deeper, how does the application process go? It's about a six-page application. Um, the answers are not too intrusive, but it kind of 
uh, is created to really get your true answers out, almost like a pre-screening job test. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of helps you figure out exactly what you're looking for as well. It's kind of, you know, do you have a fenced in backyard or do you have a plan for when the dog goes outside other than just opening the door and hoping for the best or, you know, do you have, how much time do you have in the day? Are you looking for a breed that's going to need a lot, like an energetic breed or kind of more of like a toy breed that's just a really good companion and doesn't need to be taken on a couple walks a day. So it really helps you kind of figure out what it is that you're looking for. Um, a lot of people apply with a certain breed, a certain gender, a certain something in mind. And then through the process, they're like, you know what? Maybe this breed will be better for me. Yeah. They, so, start, they start getting realistic after <laughs> a couple of months. Yes. Yeah. But that's good. And it's, you know, we say all the time, if dogs and owners were more compatible, like things would go better. There would probably be less dogs going to rescue. You know what I mean? So just because you see one dog in a movie that it's like, oh my God, I love that dog. I want to own a Kelpie now, or I want to own a cattle dog, or I want to own a Border Collie. That necessarily isn't the best breed for you just because it was a blockbuster hit. You know what I mean? And lifestyle does depict how compatible you are going to be with your dog. We got a pit bull in years ago and Scott and I both looked at each other like, oh my God, this dog is going to be so much dog for the family and everything else. Well, that lady ran with her dog every day. Like they did like three to five miles a day running and they were great. They were a great pairing, but had she just been somebody that liked to do Netflix and sit on the couch, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been as good of a pairing. So you really want to be conscious of that whole process and be honest with yourself because you want to set yourself, your family and the dog hopefully up for success. It's a big undertaking, you know? Yes, absolutely. I have a quick question. Just could you um, kind of walk us along the financial side of this whole thing about fosters? So I, I know most fosters is an adoption fee. Is that, I'm sure it's the same in your case with your uh, organization, right? Yes. If I decide to keep a foster, I would have to pay her adoption fee okay, or so, his adoption fee. So there's no fee on the front. You get the puppy first to foster. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you're not planning on being the forever home anyway. You're trying to mm-hmm. get to the end user. So the end user pays the adoption fee, I would think, right? Yes, that's correct. And the transport fees and everything else. And are more of your volunteers more towards the south where you guys are pulling dogs originally? Or are a lot of the foster homes already kind of in New England? And also, if you could just do the logistics of the states that Critter Calvary serves, because I know yeah. it's not a nationwide thing. Yeah, so I would say probably most of them are down in Tennessee just because they see the organization and it's more talked about down there. Um, But then there's little clusters along the transport stops. So we stop in Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New York, and Connecticut. Um, So if I, me and New Hampshire would have to go to the transport stop in Connecticut to receive any foster dogs or adoptive dogs that I get. We also do cats, but um, so yeah, so it would take a trip on the, transport Mm -hmm. and people start to gain knowledge of the organization and then sign up for fostering just kind of by almost brand recognition. Okay. All right. So the, all the front end, um, vet screenings, is that paid for by the owner of cavalry? So they're paying, you're paying for that on the front end out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting reimbursed when you're getting them into the other person's, the end user's home, I would, in a sense. Well, mostly it's just yeah. transportation though, too, more so for the reimbursement factors, I would assume, right? Well, um, yeah. I mean, expense. the transportation is a small part of it. A lot of the animals, like their fees vary. We yeah. have a couple of what we call tripod cats that have three legs. Mm-hmm. Obviously their fee is going to be a little bit higher, um, just because we had to perform an amputation or, you know, if their vetting is a little bit more extensive, you'll see their fee jump a little bit more. Right. Um, but we do try to stay competitive with the surrounding 
rescues. Mm -hmm. But just because we do have to transport, our fees are a slightly higher than the Salem Animal Rescue League. Yeah. And I just like the personal touch of it more so than anything, because yeah, you're, you're kind of paying also for more of a uh, personalized experience. You know, it's nice that this owner can talk to you rather than just the shelter director and not that they're doing anything wrong. It's not that these people aren't trying their best, but there's so many dogs. There's so much time in the day, just like this family that had the glory in her litter mates. Like all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm in over my head. I'm screwed here. You know what I mean? So that's often how the shelter directors are feeling. And of course there's volunteers there and everything else, but they have different days and different volunteers on with different dogs. So if you have a dog that's actually living in someone's home and you can say like, Hey, how's the dog doing loose in the house? How's the dog doing when the doorbell rings? You know, you can kind of get an idea of those types of things a little bit. So I think that's definitely important. Now, what did you do when you got glory just from a standpoint of owning a dog? I mean, did you do like some sort of, it was hard to do classes with COVID. So how did you kind of get her to be a well-behaved family member for you? Honestly, I owe a lot of that to her foster mom, Claudia, down in Tennessee. I probably texted her as much as my fiance and my best friend at that time. I was constantly in contact with her, um, asking what does she already know? How does she learn best? We kind of had open communication. I learned before I had her that she was very food motivated, which was very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Claudia kind of asked, you know, if there's anything that you would really want me to work on with her while I still have her, what would that be? And I was just kind of really hoping for good leash etiquette. So, I mean, being a first time dog owner, I wanted to be able to take her for a walk and have her kind of almost already be familiar with that or comfortable with that. Cause that can be a tricky thing to train, train some dogs. Um, so Claudia was great and was able to work with her a little bit. And then when I got her, I mean, quarantine was great. I was alone with her for the entire time that I've owned her so yeah. far. <laughs> You're both going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she did develop some separation anxiety. I had mm-hmm. to go back to the office a little bit. So her and I are working on that now mm-hmm. um, because she doesn't know this house without me in it. Right. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's been a hard transition for dogs, but it's nice that so much is done on the front end and that it gave, you know, so much help and it helped the transition go so much better. So that's really nice. Well, um, what will help her during this winter is if you go sit out in the yard for six or seven hours a day, <laughs> just to let her get used to the house, you know, without you there. <laughs> it's like an yes, ice bath. I'm working on crate training. I have put in a lot of applications to like, um, uh, training companies around us, but everybody's just so booked up with right. COVID, which is great. They're yeah. getting great business, but I'm on a lot of waiting lists. <laughs> there you go. Well, it seems like you're doing a good job all on your own. So if people want to help with Critter Calvary, not from the dog end, but maybe transport or financial help or some something else, can they just go to that URL website? Is that the best way to get in touch? Um, and I'm sure, I mean, transport, transport people aren't necessarily fostering. There's different legs of every journey, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So right on our website, we have links to basically any question you could ask. Um, and our emails are there as well. So anything in this location or this region would go to CCR New England, okay. um, which is a, just a Gmail email address. And then one of the volunteers will answer your questions accordingly. Okay, great. Yeah. And I'll include that link as well. And then as far as your own stuff, you have some of your own URLs as well. You do some own, uh, your own things to support. So tell me a little bit about that. So people just know how they can find you and what that, what that link is going to look like. Yeah. So we are nonprofit. So everything that we do to fundraise just goes directly into saving more animals. 
I started a bonfire page. It's called Designs by Darian um, with some Critter Calvary sweatshirts and T-shirts and things just to kind of raise some money to go back into saving more lives. Is that one of your Um, sweatshirts on now? Is that one of your sweatshirts that you're wearing? This is actually one that the organization owner made. So I did not make this one, but... I have a split face, so you you wore the right one because that looks just like my border collie, so it's perfect. (laughs) But your stuff, so that way if people go and they follow that link and they buy some of that stuff, that will be helping the dogs, right? Yes, absolutely. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. If you guys are thinking of rescuing in 2021, check out Critter Calvary. It sounds like an awesome organization. Darian, take care. Good luck with your wedding. I hope you're able to have a very big wedding at some point whenever you want. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Bye. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.